0: Hey, Hockey Moms, check out BlueLineHockeyClub.com for all the past and future podcasts. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by...
1: Hey, hockey fans, it's that time of year again. NHL playoffs are here and summertime barbecues. Stay in style this summer by the grill, pool, or at your casual get-togethers with Summer Skate. Summer Skates are the leading sports sandal footwear in the business with NHL team brands or your own personal logos on real hockey lace strap. Check them out at Summerskates.com or go to bluelinehockeyclub.com and click on the link. You won't be disappointed. Summer skates are made with real hockey laces, footbeds mold to your feet after a few wears. Summer skates are also washable, keeping your feet healthy and fresh. Summer skates, stay fresh without the skate.
0: Welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club. We've got episode 64 tonight. The usual suspects sitting in the house. We have our IT guy, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how's your doing, man? And the producer of the show, Patrick O'Glarity Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And the all-around sports guru, the guy that we go to for all of our sports news, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, sweet And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark, the Dr. Morley. Oh, doctor. And we got a very special guest coming in from uh, Wolf, our hometown now. Uh, we have Brett Brecke coming on, the new coach for St. Lawrence University Skating Saints. And uh, Brent has a, a background of being an assistant coach at Clarkson just down the road last year. Uh, he was in Miami, Ohio 12 years before that and uh, nine years at Cornell. And Brett's had three Frozen Forks, uh showings and he's also had uh, five conference championships under his belt. So it's a pleasure to have you on, Coach. How are you tonight? Thanks guys. Uh, I'm great. I appreciate it. I've got no catchphrase like you guys have to uh <laughs> yeah. names, so I
2: apologize for that. But uh Not that yet. Was you yeah. still have your <laughs> Not <Okay>. yet. <laughs> Not yet. I'm gonna
0: to think of something. So we're gonna uh, have to work that. we're gonna have to work on that when we get you on during the season. We'll come up with something for you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, thanks
0: guys. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show and obviously excited uh to be on board and, and get to uh, get to work here. Yeah, coach, uh, it's been a lot of it's been a huge buzz around the North Country and in the this, this skating Saints fan world, uh, especially on social media. Everybody's been waiting for the announcement of the head coach for St. Lawrence, and people were just, you know, every day on Facebook, you would see something. Does anybody know anything about what's going on with the head coach? And, you know, it's been quite the buzz. Yep. Yeah, a lot, a lot of buzz, and, you know, it's finally the, the announcement came out last week, and you know, everybody's pretty excited about it and I just was wondering to ask you uh, we went over a little bit in the beginning of your extensive career as an assistant coach over the last 22 years uh, how is it to be getting the reins as a head coach and having your own program and be able to build your own team now? It's oh, exciting obviously
2: you work for it for a long time and you, you never know if you're actually going to get that opportunity because there's there's only so many jobs in Division One hockey and, um, you know, to stay in college hockey and, and choose not to pursue, you know, junior hockey or pro hockey is the decision a lot of coaches make to, to be a head coach. Uh, so sometimes, uh, you know, it's a little cyclical where there's not a lot of movement from the head coaching standpoint where some years all of a sudden there's you know, three, four or five positions open up and then you might go a number of years before anybody uh, retires or moves on and has a position open. So you're always, you're extremely thankful and uh, when you have that opportunity that comes forward and obviously I've been an assistant for
3: uh you know an extended
2: period it seems like but uh when you have that opportunity it's obviously exciting and you know not only for myself but uh our family as well and there's been a, a huge huge support from a lot of people that i know one that are you know former players or friends and family just reaching out to say congrats so it's, it's a special time right now for sure and uh that's the one thing uh Heard from numerous people said, "Hey, soak it in. You know, it's it's uh it's something you work for, and you should uh, really enjoy the you know the opportunity." And there's obviously a lot of work to be done, but uh, you know there's a huge excitement level when the announcement comes out. So uh, enjoy it while you while
1: you're uh, fresh and getting started. Absolutely, yeah, coach. Uh, it's a great program. We uh, like you said, we were we were raised in that arena, Appleton Arena as young kids, and um, you know once it came out that you were the head coach, you got a lot of praise for a lot of big names on social media. So that's pretty big. Um, Brett, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from, how you got into hockey, um, what led you to Cornell, and uh, I believe you played at the Cornwall Aces for a little bit. Yep, yep.
2: Actually, so I grew up in North Dakota, played my youth hockey there, and the funny thing is when I – I had a brother that uh, was kind of, um, you know, a guy that I've always looked up to and have uh, the utmost respect for. He's a little bit older than myself, a couple of years. And uh, and so he was playing hockey before me. And my big decision to start playing hockey was a tough one because the, uh, the youth skates were on Saturday morning and I was going to have to give up the cartoons. And so <laughs> the first year I went out. I was like, hey, you know what? I think I want to just watch cartoons just uh, for another year or so. And then uh, I went back the following year, just, you know, obviously got on the ice and fell in love with it. But uh, my brother was one that really has always kind of pushed me and, and been, you know, alongside me my entire life. And he kind of got me started in it. So uh played my youth hockey in North Dakota, and then I played my junior hockey in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, in the USHL back when they had a team. Uh, we were fortunate to to win a national championship and, and have a, a great group of guys there and some great coaching with uh uh, the first coach actually was Kevin Constantine uh, the first year. and Then Kevin actually got a job in the uh, the IHL partway through the season with Kalamazoo. And then uh, Mark Coffin took over. Uh, and um, you know, Coach Coffin is just a tremendous, tremendous friend uh, that I've known for a long time and have a, a lot of respect for. He's been a longtime assistant now at Ferris State. But coached at uh, almost every single level of hockey. You know, we talked about college pro and junior and uh, obviously been extremely successful and and done it for a long time. So, um, you know, following my junior career, I ended up uh, going to Western Michigan University and that's where my ties to Cornell actually started. Um, So my freshman year at Western Michigan was Mike Schaefer's first year as the assistant uh, at Western Michigan. So we came at the same time and uh, he was there obviously my entire four years and then he had one more year uh, before he got the reins at Cornell and yeah, that's kind of how it all started when I graduated. You know, Shafe and I had a meeting at the end of the season. Just said, hey, I know you're, obviously you obviously want to pursue the pro game, but uh, when it's all said and done, if you have an interest in coaching, you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to, uh, you know, bring you on board where I'm at. And so um, that's something that always stuck with me, and I played and kicked around the minors for two years and, and just decided, hey, I, I wanted to uh, to pursue something else uh, and hung up the blades and uh so I got into junior hockey actually, uh coaching the North American League uh, in Chicago with the uh expansion team. So I was there two years and then the position opened up uh uh, As an assistant coach at, at Cornell, and I was fortunate that chefe you know still wanted me and and felt strongly about that, so he gave me the opportunity to get into college hockey and uh, so then spent nine years there and then ten years at Miami and then obviously last year at clarkson and, and uh obviously you know everything came together now for the head coaching opportunity
3: yeah coach it it seems like um, you know the perfect storm for you at least that's how I describe it you know you're 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 coming in where they're they're putting um some money into the arena there's been a whole lot of, you know, we'll just say question, uh, about who's, who's the new coach. We know who the new coach is this season. That's behind us. Um, it, it just seems like you're, you're coming in with a whole lot of momentum. The town's behind, you. Uh, what's it like for you to take the reins at, at St. Lawrence? Is it positive for you? Are you looking forward to it? I'll yeah, just... no, it's,
2: yeah, it's extremely positive. Uh, the support is tremendous. And I think that's the one thing that, uh, you know, with with the expansion of Appleton Arenas is, is tremendous, $17 million being put into that facility, but also keeping the tradition of that building, which as you guys know, you, you've played in it and grown up in it. It's a pretty special place. So to kind of preserve the history and the uh, the tradition that's there with Appleton, but add you know the the new part of the building with the, the locker rooms, the weight room, lounge, video room, all those uh, you know day to day amenities for the players and our staff is going to be awesome. Um, but yeah, there is there's a ton of momentum because uh, the support yeah. from alumni the campus community, from the, the community of Canton, uh, it's just uh, it's amazing to see the support because that's something uh, I, I think a lot of people don't really truly understand how much support there is there, and it's it's uh, it's awesome, you know. And that starts with President Fox on down, you know, throughout the university. It's it's fun to walk around. You just you meet so many people that are just diehard fans that have um, you know been backers of the program for a long time, and uh, and they want to see success, and uh, they're there to help and support. But the alumni base is tremendous as well, you know. That stretches across north america and it's yeah. uh, it's very deeply rooted and and they're all in so you know yeah. it's the support from a lot of different areas and you need that to be successful as a program that's just the reality of it. you know you need to have you know the support the, in the seats and the stands but also the financial support and the internal support to, uh you know to help with a lot of different things that you want to get going in the right direction so it is it's a very exciting time and there's a ton of momentum
4: yeah you know they got a big trench dug around where they're putting the footers for that new portion of the addition, I think the workers are starting to use rowboats to get around there right now. Cause
2: <laughs> I went over there today and they're pumping water like crazy. <laughs> so I'm, I
4: just, I'm praying it'll ever stop raining here. I feel like we live in Seattle or something, but I got like, I got kind of a two part question for you. I'll ask you the first part. I mean, you're taking on a squad, obviously that has been basically built by another coach. So, and you know, the kids are out of town, what's it What's the process like as a new head coach when you come in how, you know how do you introduce yourself to these kids? How do you establish yourself you know as that new head coach and the new sheriff in town basically
2: yeah, the big thing I believe in is uh, we want a family as as a uh, mentality of a team, and everybody's going to be close and, and so that's built on relationships and so it's just a lot of reaching out and introducing myself and and getting to know the guys um, not just as as a hockey player but as a person to to get to know kind of their family background and, you know, their likes, their dislikes, their hobbies, and, and just building those relationships, you know, and, and a big part of that right now for me that's at the forefront is just getting a staff in place. Obviously two assistant coaches need to be hired and we're hoping to have that in place in the next, uh, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks and uh, have things finalized. Uh, a good short list of guys for that. but And again, and then those guys reaching out and, and continuing to build and blossom those relationships because that, to me, is a huge part. You know, when you build relationships, you build trust. You know, and when you have trust amongst your, your entire program, staff, players, trainer, equipment manager, whoever it may be, you know, you can bond together through the tough times and there's going to be tough times. I've said this all along, there's going to be adversity. You're not just going to flip a light switch and all of a sudden we're, we're having success and winning championships. You know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done to, to build it in the right direction. And, um, but you know, in doing that, you're going to have some progress, but then you're going to have setbacks and, you know, during those tough times with adversity, you know, if there's a true trust factor there through the, the relationships we've built, we can be demanding. We can be hard on the guys and, and expect the most of them. And they'll be able to look at us and say, you know what, they they see the best in us. and They want the best from us. You know, and, and our example to be the best for those players in that locker room as a staff is going to be important as well. So they see that and, and know that, you know, we believe in them and we have their back. So it's just, a, it's a lot of the relationship building right now. And you know, it's you. Know, we're getting middle of the summer already. It seems like where we we've got a lot of you know a lot of time that's already gone by, and we've got limited time to get ready. So there's just a lot of work to get done to build those things to make sure there's a comfort level and and establish the culture that we want moving forward.
4: No doubt, and coach. So with that being said, you know what? Talk about like the difficulty. I know because you're coming in a little bit late here, and you still have to build the staff. So. Um, what is the, uh, how does that, you know, the first year is probably going to be a little bit difficult because, you know, the recruiting process is behind a little bit behind the eight ball there. And what's the challenge there?
2: Yeah, it's, it is a little bit of a challenge just because a lot of, uh, you know, the USHL has all their camps up and started right now. So, you know, when there's, when you don't have a full staff in place to be able to travel and see a lot of that stuff and whether that's seeing uh, new faces or, or following up on committed kids. Um, you know, that's just a lot of stuff that's going on right now. That's why it's important to try to get our staff in place as quickly as possible because we got, we got to start beating the pavement and, and hitting the road for these uh, trial camps. But, um, again, I, I just think the continuity of the staff for me, I, I want to make sure I have guys coming in that I trust, that I know a little bit, and um, that are going to be successful, but have the network from a recruiting standpoint, uh, but also believe in the same things that I believe, you know, just a like-mindedness uh, of what we want to build here. Um, so that's just again that that's stuff we gotta put into place quickly, and uh, we can't waste time with that so when they're you know the guys that come on board they're gonna hit the ground running you know, we'll, we'll be pushing ahead quickly
1: Any yeah. breaking news on uh your assistant coaches you want to announce
2: <laughs> We got nothing yet the, nothing that I'm, <laughs> I'm really allowed to right now uh but we we're, we're close uh, we've got a real good short list of uh guys that uh, we're going to choose from so like i said hopefully that's going to be in place here within the next couple of weeks but uh i'm excited about the guys that i've been talking to and i i think there's some some really qualified candidates that have a real uh legitimate interest in want to be in this area and as you guys know it's it's not the right fit for everybody uh i think you have to have an appreciation for you know the small town and the uniqueness of uh everywhere you go people are going to want to talk hockey and, and talk about the saints and uh, that's fun, you know, but with that becomes a responsibility too where, you know, you, you better expect that. You're not going to hide anywhere and, and not be known or not being taught <laughs> to hockey. Uh, sure. It's a uniqueness that I think is special uh, and, you know, I, I want people that embrace that and want to be a part of that, you know, and and just live, breathe and die the, the Saints Hockey and uh, as most of the people in this community do. So,
0: uh, yeah, you have sure. to
2: people that enjoy the outdoors. You, you want to be living in a small town but enjoy the outdoors and you got four seasons. One's probably longer than the other three, but (laughs) it's something where, you know, it's a uniqueness again where I I think that's important that you have to find the right people that are really going to love it here. I'd love to have assistants that grow roots with me here and stay a long time, but the reality is, you know, if we're doing our job and, uh, and having success that, you know, with the young assistants there, they're probably going to have opportunities for head coaching opportunities. That, that means, you know, we're having success. So, yep. uh, but, yeah. you know, things, That's right. if things go well and you have people that want to be here long term
3: and love what we're doing here and
2: love the community and the campus and the, uh, the university, you know, those are great things can happen for a long, long time.
3: Is there, you know, looking forward, is there anybody, that, you know, who are you looking forward to playing this year besides Clarkson, the obvious? <laughs> Yeah, we're going to see them a lot. <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that goes without saying. We, be a fun, we'll uh, be talking fun about game. that game, no doubt.
2: Yeah. yeah you know, I'm excited about it. You know, we we got some real good non-conference games. with uh, We've got Maine obviously coming to town for two, which is going to be great. We're actually in the Dartmouth tournament at Christmas time, the, the Ledyard National Bank tournament. And then we got got uh, Vermont and Providence. So we've we got some real good opponents. Uh, and those Providence UVM are going to be at home as well. So, uh, and then we travel to Holy Cross in Bentley. Bentley just built a brand new rink that they open up, so I'm excited to see that. I saw actually some of the some of the video against one of our opponents that uh, we pre-scouted last year. We're playing at Bentley, and the building looks beautiful. So uh, there's you know the non-conference schedule I'm pretty excited about. You know there's going to be some real good challenges. There's no doubt, but uh, um, it'll be fun. And you know, obviously I know a lot of guys uh, that are in the coaching ranks on those other you know those other programs that I have a lot of respect for. So it'll be fun to you know continue to compete against them.
1: Uh, Coach, you now were you at Miami? Did you come to St. Lawrence and play like three years ago, four years ago?
2: Yep, yeah, we did. Yes.
1: Jack Rossavich is a good friend of the podcast, and I remember uh, going to watch him play and kind uh, of remember you on the bench. How how do you uh, like to see Jack out there uh, for the Jets?
2: Oh, he's a tremendous, tremendous talent, and he's just uh, he's got like scary skills. Like he's just one of those kids that he's still, I think, coming into his own as a as a pro. Um, he's still a young kid and, you know, obviously uh, played a very short time at Miami, but dynamic, like extremely, extremely talented. You don't you don't come across a lot of players like that, you know, and I coached uh, for quite a while and it's probably uh, guys like that that have that specialist skill that you can count on one hand and he, he is extremely dynamic. And I see he comes from a, a bit of a non-traditional market coming out of Columbus that, you know, they've done a great job building that uh, youth organization uh, under the umbrella of the, uh, you know, the parent club uh, with the same name. So it's neat to see a number of those kids come through there. And he's obviously a special, special talent. So it's exciting to watch him play.
1: Yeah. And not even just a hockey talent, just a great, you know, kid. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then my uh, nephew, uh, J.D. Greenway is playing for the University of Maine. So everyone's excited to uh, see Maine come down and play you guys. Uh, this year, uh, we'll be we'll be rooting for both teams, so we'll just say that.
2: <laughs> well, hopefully, lean more towards one side towards
4: the Saints
1: <laughs> yeah, That's
4: right. <laughs> so, talk a bit about too. I mean, I know one thing that the uh, reading some of the stuff about uh, what you know Bob Derocher said about said about you after the interview is they really you know Saint Lawrence really liked your ability to coach you know this kind of this younger next generation of hockey players and stuff. What's the what's the different dynamic that you see when you when you're coaching these uh, you know this like I say, this next generation of players that are coming up?
2: Well, I think it's different. I mean, I look back, and this is a long time ago. Um, you know, we were, probably all of us when we played we were younger. The coach, whatever the coach said, you just went and did it. And it could have been something that was completely off the wall, but it was because it came out of the coach's mouth, it was right. You just did it. You never you never questioned it. And nowadays, I, I think the the kids are really. They are students of the game, but they want to know, you know, I, I coached Topher Scott uh, when I was an assistant at Cornell and, and Topher did a presentation down at the coaches convention Florida And he said, you know, he, he brought up a great point. Uh, kids these days are the why generation. Um, so you're not just telling them, Hey, go do this. They want to know why, you know, and, yeah. and you better as a coach, have an explanation for it and, and they'll do it, but they just, they, they're going to want, okay, I'll do that. But why? And not in a demeaning way, they're not asking that by any means, they're just, they're students of the game and that's how they're wired. And so, you know, I, I think there's a, uh, in this day and age, there's almost like kids don't want to be held accountable is kind of the assumption of it, which I, I disagree. They they want accountability. You know, they want to be challenged. They want to be held to a high standard. Um, that doesn't mean they, they always like it, but they, they do want it and need it. And, you know so i think that's something that that hasn't changed the accountability factor that's been around forever you know challenge your players to be the best they can be and demand that of them and because sometimes a lot of players when they're young and they're still kind of figuring things out from a maturity standpoint they don't necessarily know how to challenge themselves to be the best or get the best out of themselves and, they, and that's where they need you know, a coach, which is ultimately a teacher, you know, we're, we're not just coaching, we're teaching the game, but we're teaching life skills and, and dealing with, uh, with different things and challenges. So uh, it, it's a different mentality. And it's changed from the, you know, I guess my first year in coaching till now was much, much different. And I think I'm a much different coach too. the things I did. I look back as a young coach, kind of going, geez, what was I doing? But uh, you learn a lot as you go through it. And, you know, as the players change, you have to evolve and change as a coach as well.
1: So, what's the uh, chances we can get a band back up there in the stands at in Appleton, like Clarkson?
2: I hope so. I, I hope <laughs> and, and hopefully we're they're finding a place to to be able to get in there because it's jammed up. That's the goal, right? So, yeah, I'd love to have that. I, I think that that's that's a uniqueness for college hockey that you know a number of programs that have rich, deep traditions uh, have bands, it just adds to the atmosphere, which is yeah, uh, exactly. kind of a that's unique, the, special the thing the about college hockey.
3: Crowd. Yeah, I love it.
1: The atmosphere for sure. Yeah.
2: If you go west, a lot of the teams out west still, they have cheerleaders still. So it's uh it's just a different element, so it's kinda neat. It's
1: not a bad idea. It's not a bad <laughs> idea. I might,
4: bring <laughs> yeah, <there. exactly. laughs> might bring some guys
0: in. i can yeah, pick them uh, for yeah. You. Yeah, maybe some beer. <laughs> so you guys are in charge of that you guys are in charge of that <laughs> That's your task. Yeah. Beers in the uh concessions and cheerleaders in the stands might help out, but I know. I know a lot of the uh, a lot of the locals are really excited. Um, you know, there's a lot of pride in this St. Lawrence team, and I know we can talk about it, but you know, the the town of Canton and, and the locals in Canton have been. You know, people like we're approaching 40 here. We've been watching this stuff since we were five years old. So, I mean, there's people that have been watching St. Lawrence hockey for 50, 60 years that are going to these games. You know, that grew up in Canton, and they're just excited. They want that winning team. Um, The community always sticks behind uh, the the Saints so it's a huge tradition and I know the community is really looking forward to seeing what kind of program you're going to put together and bring in a winning program for the for the town for the university and for all the Saints fans and it's it's exciting for everybody I know that's involved in the organization and you know we wish you the best of luck with with St. Lawrence this upcoming season and you know it's going to be I'm sure it's going to be some work for you coach to, to build that team you know I mean um you know the last year wasn't the best year for for the saints and you know you had a little work to do but you know you had a lot of years as an assistant which a lot of that role falls back on recruiting so you know that should be uh something that you're pretty good at so
2: yeah we're excited about it it's, and again the it's funny you talk about the the support and the, the number of uh People are just diehard Saints fans. The, uh, I got an email this morning from a gentleman that was, he's been a fan for 60 years. And so he reached out and uh, sent me an email, which was extremely nice of him. And he's, he's from this area and just, uh, you know, they all, they all want the best for the program as we all do. And so there's a lot of, of
0: backing and support and excitement. And, uh,
2: you know, obviously we'll do our best to, to get things moving in the right direction
0: as quickly as possible. Yeah, new look at the rink, new look behind the bench, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some new faces in uh, in the, some skates on the on the ice too. So uh, everybody's looking forward to it in the community, and we really, really appreciate you coming. on. I know a lot of people in the area wanted to uh, hear a little bit about you and you know get your philosophy and stuff like that. So we're we're excited to break the news on the Blue Line Hockey Club. That's for sure.
2: Thanks, guys. No, I appreciate the opportunity to be on. It was fun. Thanks for coming
0: right. on, Coach. Thanks for your time, Coach. Good luck, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks guys.
1: Enjoy
3: good the evening.
0: Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, good interview with Brett Brecky and uh, new head coach for the St. Lawrence skating saints. And, you know, like we just, I just finished up talking about what a exciting time for that program. Uh, they've had three down years really with Mark Morris. And, um, you know, I, I, don't know if I blame it all on Mark Morris Yeah, You know, a lot of guys left when Carville left too. So, you know, um, Hopefully, uh, Brett has an easier road than Mark did, and they can turn that program around, you know, like we talked about that new rink, too, that new facade on the rink.
3: The good news is he gets a new chapter, and all that stuff is gone now. He gets to move forward. New building, new rink, new everything. You know, go get it.
0: Yeah, should be exciting times for uh, St. Lawrence Hockey, and the tradition there, like he talked about, I mean, I was trying to think about it. I was talking to him, like, asking him the question at the same time I was thinking about how many years I was going to say people have been watching, and I'm thinking, like, has it 40, 30? Well, if well, you think about it, as kids, we've been watching since five years old, probably. Yeah, yeah. Or,
3: that, we've been watching for 35 we years. Didn't, we didn't touch on was uh, uh, 1920s is how far back it. So the history is 1920s, and he'll be, he, he is the 15th. Coach in that program's history. So, you know, not many in a lot of years. 100 years.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially with that three in the last uh, four years or whatever it is. So, yeah. You know. Yeah.
3: And, he, he, you know, as us
1: four guys grew up in Canton and going to the game since we were five years old, you know, it was Joe Marsh. And, you know, I don't think that happens too often. Coach Marsh uh, grew roots there. Some of us went to school with his daughters. I don't think that happens too much around, you know, these bigger schools. You know, you see coaches leaving to be, you know, the head coach of Dallas, be the head coach of the New York Rangers, be the head coach of the Flyers. But uh, we were lucky and fortunate because we had Joe Marsh and he wanted to stay there. So for us, our experience is we get one head coach at a, uh, you know, St. Lawrence and they're supposed to stay there. But that doesn't happen. And, you know, coach, said tonight you know when we asked him about his uh assistant coaches um you know he's hoping you know to get some assistant coaches in there that are looking to grow roots in the town of Canton stay there with them but unfortunately sometimes you know when you have success which he's hoping eventually they have to leave right they want to be head coaches too so it is tough so um we'll see what happens I, I think uh it sounds like he wants to stick around for a little while and grow the program so uh who knows we might have another joe marsh uh you know he's got young kids that sticks around for a while
3: well his his resume shows he's willing to stay i mean nine years at cornell 12 miami of, of ohio he's got staying power he's, he knows what it's like to be in cold weather
0: yeah it should be yeah. interesting to see him going against uh, clarkson this year too you know that's uh Obviously he's been in that locker room and he knows what make what's making that team tick and being ten miles down the road in the, the biggest rivalry and um some of all of uh division one hockey, he's kinda got a little bit of a leg up on uh on Clarkson's game plan, so it should be interesting to see what happens when they meet well, up this year.
3: That that's a great great point is uh I, I wanted to ask him. He coached Nico Sturm and Jake Kelly. Two guys that went right to the NHL. You know, I, I didn't want to bring up Clarkson stuff, but.
4: Boo! Hey. <laughs>
3: hey look, the the. Hey, guy
0: we had the Clarkson guy, head coach on. We're not biased.
3: Got five conference champions, championships, uh, eleven NCAA appearances, three fr- Frozen Four appearances. So he's, he's done some good things. He's ready to. He's no he's slouch. He's no slouch. He's ready to go. Yeah.
0: You know, it's good to see somebody like himself actually getting that chance to be the head coach um, after so many seasons of um, following somebody else's program. I mean, that's a long time to be an assistant. and he, I'm sure he could have left to be a head coach at a D3 program or, you know, a smaller D1 program somewhere. 20 and years. And it, he, he put yeah, juniors or, or any 50, other, many, 50 many 50 other. 50. Yeah, I mean, there's pr- probably been many opportunities where he could have jumped ship and um, you know he felt like he was doing what he needed to do to become a, a really good Division One head coach, and you know he got his opportunity. So it's good to see that they saw the value in that and saw the value in the experience that he's had in, in college hockey. Because you know 22 years in, in uh, college hockey is a long time. You know he put yeah. his time in. And he deserves to be uh, behind the bench as a head coach.
4: He's gonna make his money here. Yeah, he's gonna make his money here on his ability to recruit. Okay, that's gonna be the biggest challenge at Saint Lawrence University getting guys in there that can compete with the big boys. So that's, I mean, you know, Greg Carvel was able to do that. Uh, unfortunately, he left. You know, he went on to, you know, to greener pastures, and he's had a ton of success, you know, where, where he's at. But the challenge up here with these, you know, you're in a rural area. Uh, you're not a huge program. You know, fortunately, they're renovating the rink and making it look better um, and making the facilities look a little bit nicer. But, you know, his bread and butter is going to be who he can get in here, how he can coach them up. And that, and that'll be this, that'll be the, uh, you know, how he has success up here. And if, if he can't do that, you know.
0: Yeah. And like you say, you know, tough. it's, it's about selling himself as a, as a recruiter. Right. So I know some of us have been involved in, you know, recruiting in the, co- at the college level, going to um, play college sports. And a lot of it, when you were talking to these coaches was how did you relate to that coach that was calling you on the phone or, you know, that coach that came to visit you and watch a game uh, when you talk to him after the game and, you know, that relationship that you build with that coach has a determining factor of where you go. You know, if if you're not getting along and you don't click with that coach that's calling you on the phone or sending you letters or that's a big part of it. And there's reasons that some guys get better players than others because they just relate to these players better. And sometimes it's not even the school and the amenities, it's the it's the coach and their personality and how they relate. So that's what I think Mark Mowers being a little detached from college hockey for so long, I don't think he had the ability to co- to recruit some of these kids that he needed to because back when he was at Clarkson years ago it was a little bit different in how these kids got recruited uh, he's a little bit older now he's not really relating to the millennials as much as I maybe he does but in my opinion that's probably but a little bit separation not knowing the new age players so yeah. uh, he's in it he's been in it and uh, you know that's a big bonus
1: yeah definitely and that's the biggest thing is
0: coaching these new kids you know
1: Younger coaches, I think Rob and I talked about it, what was it, changing of the guard these days, you know, it's not just hockey, it's football, it's basketball, it's uh, all sports, you know, these, the way kids are raised today is totally different from the old coaches, you know, like, you see some of these old football coaches in college and hockey, they're going, programs are going to get younger
0: coaches yeah. And look at a guy like Lou Saban in Alabama, like the teams that he puts together, you know, wherever he's gone, he's really had success, but he is just a master at recruiting good players. I mean, he obviously gets them easily now because his team's so good, but you know, he built that program when he first got there. And it's all about recruiting these young kids and want them to, want them to play for it. So that's, that's what college sports is all about is the recruiting aspect. And if you're and a lot of times, if you, if you build a good support team, like his assistants have to be good recruiters because those are the guys going on the road and going to see these guys play and they're the ones making phone calls to the players at night and sending them letters and all that shit so if he can put together a good support staff um, that'll be huge too big time.
4: look it's not it's definitely not impossible because I mean look around I mean obviously the big programs are going to get the big names right but Look at, look at sports like the NFL, right? How many players make up a roster in the NFL that are undrafted free agents, right? So there's, there's people that are looked over, people that are missed, and if you have good guys out there scouting, good assistant coaches out there that can find diamonds in the rough, it's 1,000% possible to build a great squad no matter the size of the program. So I, we all, I, I'm speaking for all of us, I know we wish him all the best. I think he's going to be successful. I just have a feeling about him. Um, there's a lot of guys big names around around the uh, hockey world that have you know given them big stamp of approval so I think uh I think he's gonna have a lot of success and uh we look forward to seeing it so
0: yeah yeah exciting. what's the name what's the name of the school um in Springfield Mass was it American International or American American International yeah yeah I mean like take a school like that yeah that's look,
1: a good example
0: take their program look to where they've got I mean St. Lawrence has their tradition already I mean so it's not too hard to turn around that program look at what they're doing up in Springfield so St.
1: Lawrence made it to the national championship you know with uh, Jamie Baker and that crew so it, it's possible
0: yeah good interview boys good interview I'm glad, I'm glad we got him on and uh, hopefully all these listeners from the north country are going to be able to get a little perspective on what's coming into the uh, St. Lawrence locker room next year and um, we're, we're happy to break this news first here on the Blue Line Hockey Club all right, boys, we've got a new sponsor, the Blue Line Hockey Club now, Rocket Grip, Rocket Grip. They're actually out of Latvia over in Europe. got a pretty cool product they have where you can take these grips. They're almost like a rubber product, and you slide it over the end of your stick, and you can actually put it over the old tape that's on your stick, and it'll have the same uh, form as, as you're used to. And you pour hot water over it or use a heat gun, and it just shrinks around your stick, so you get a lot more use out of uh, you don't have to keep taping your stick. You know, every couple games, and it's not falling apart. It's not getting sticky, like the tape's always getting sticky on your hands and stuff like that. So, they've got a really cool product that they sent us. And if you haven't seen them yet, rocketgrit.com, you can check them out. You can also get your logos on them. Uh, They sent us some with a nice blue line logo on them. Uh, Get your team logo on there. So, it's a pretty cool product. You got to get on there and check them out. And uh, if you play lacrosse, they also have a whole line for lacrosse sticks as well. How do they look, Robbie?
3: Really good, really good. It's uh, three easy steps. Obviously, you choose your style, you jam it on the end of a stick, and you put boiling hot water on it. It's not.
4: You're going to jam it, thanks,
0: That's it. It's uh, not rocket science. No, it's rocket grip, baby. No,
3: but it is rocket grip. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it's a good idea, right? How many times you you end up taping a stick just to break it. So you, you spend a lot of money on a, uh, on tape jobs that you end up breaking. So. A one-timer with a rocket grip, and then you use it till you break your stick? All right. I'll give it a shot.
1: Unless you get to jam it on, jam it in. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. what it's good at, baby. Yeah, good product, boys. Um, and it's kind of cool that we got a company out of Latvia that's supporting the Blue Line Hockey Club over here in the United States. Um, our reach is getting a little bit further than we even knew. Um, so that's pretty cool that we got some listeners over in Europe. Really cool. Give a good shout out to rocketgrip.com. Get out there and check it out. We'll get a promotion code from those guys to get you a discount on your Rocket Grips and a nice big sponsor for the Blue Line Hockey Club.
3: Yeah, just one more thing um, real quick. I mean, it looks like you can get them in any color. I didn't know if you if you said that part. You can get them in any color and you can get your logos and stuff um, customized on them. For our listeners, you can't see, but what I'm looking at, what we're all looking at is um, the Rocket Grip with our logo on it which is awesome you know i think it's cool rocket grip check them out
4: little little collusion we've got going on with rocket grips thank you guys
0: i think so
3: latvia right russia <laughs> all
0: right boys we got a lot of uh, cool stuff to talk about in the nhl especially the cup being won last night by the st louis blues postponed our podcast one night so we could all sit down and enjoy the game and and give an analysis of the game tonight on our podcast and uh, Pretty good game guys. I mean the last game with we didn't talk about game six I don't think yet either but you know that was a blowout by the Bruins um, going into game seven so you know I thought after game six that the game seven was going to be you know in Boston would be a different story, but I think that that uh, Binner stole the show in the first period. The, the problem was he was making so many good saves on the Bruins, and they had so many awesome chances in that first period to score. But he was standing on his head, so I think he took a little air out of the Bruins in the first. And then, you know, right at the end, uh, they got the goal with a couple of seconds left in the period. That was a little deflating for the Bruins. I don't know if you saw Marchand. What a what a terrible change he made um, going yeah. to the Going to the bench, leaving his guy open in the slot, You know that goal definitely falls on him. With, that, with just probably 10 seconds left in the period, or maybe even less, uh, making a change, going to the bench, that was terrible.
1: I think it was eight seconds, yeah. And two things to take away from that game. First, Derek called it on the podcast that St. Louis would win, and then uh, Mark had a little uh, thing he figured out about the sweeps. Was that Mark? They said yeah. whatever team got
0: any team it. that
1: swept
0: yep any team that swept lost the next series so we had the, um, the Islanders sweep we had the Carolina sweep the Blue Jackets sweep obviously the Bruins sweep and I don't know if, I think that was at four sweeps but that was each, a,
1: each team that swept you know a series they lost the next series coming up so with Derek calling the St. Louis Blues winning and then Mark's little series kind of call it did work out. So uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, Bruins didn't show up though. Bad change by Marshawn though, Mark, what you're saying, but that happens. And, you know, when teams don't get those bounces, you guys know, we all played hockey. When you don't get a bounce, you know, when we say a bounce, we're talking about the puck, you just, nothing comes your way. And then everything just doesn't come your way. You know, you get that one guy in your line changes and it just happens to be, change that just ends up in the back of the net or the official does something. Anyways, the Bruins just didn't have, it wasn't their game Well, they couldn't
0: even buy a goal. Yeah, in that first period, they were flying. They had so many chances. Bennington stood on his head. He just, you know, he just kept making great save after great save. The Bruins had a power play in the first period with a lot of good chances on the power play. I mean, they were doing the right things. Um, They just couldn't get it past them. You know, that was that was a big part of that game. And then to go down 2-0 after the first period uh, real quick in the last five minutes, I think it was, um, that they scored those goals. So, you know, going into the second period down 2-0, tough to come back at a team like with uh, a goalie like Bennington in that. So it was um, it was tough for the Bruins. I mean, they played a good hockey game. They just couldn't score. And then obviously got out of hand in
4: the third period. Yeah. the writing, yeah. It's one of those games where, like, the writing's on the wall early, right? So, you, you know, when – Boston comes out in a flurry, and, you know, Boston really outplayed them the first period. They really did, you know. It, Big time. It, I don't outplayed.
0: think the Blues had a shot to, like, uh, four minutes left in the period. Yeah, I mean,
4: exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, I mean, they, it, but, you know, like, as, a, as an opposing, as a team, you're, you know, you're the home team. You're out there, and you just fucking barrage that goalie with shots, and he save, he's saving everything. 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 And he just, like, you know, it, when you're a player, it doesn't matter what sport you're in, you know, eventually in the back of your mind, it starts to creep in like, Jesus Christ, you know, you might not be able to fucking put one past this guy tonight. You know what I mean? so that the head game started to play a role early and then to pop a goal, like, with, you know, like I say, seven seconds, like you guys are saying seven seconds left in the game. It was like just a double whammy as far as, you know, stuck in the window. Yeah. You could just see it, you know, writing on the wall. But the reason why I picked St. Louis was, you know, early in the playoffs even was just because you take a team that was like literally, I think it was 37 games left in the season or something like that. Right. And they were at the bottom of the freaking league,
1: you know, and they,
4: yeah, I mean, and then here they sit, you know, into the playoffs. Now they're in the Stanley cup finals. Like you you just got to start thinking to yourself, like, obviously there's like some magic in the air that you just can't describe. You know what I mean? So, um, it just seemed like a, a perfect storm and uh, last night for all intents and purposes was a perfect storm for the for the blues too.
3: Well yeah. And Brett
4: well, Hall guys, Brett Hall real quick.
3: <laughs>
4: he's still fucking hammered right now. He's
3: like, he,
1: he's he lost his phone I heard. There's no <laughs>
3: doubt he's hammered right now. <laughs> he's doing keg stands with the boys right now. No, out of the out of the Stanley Cup, I, I have no doubt about Brett. it.
0: Your phone's ringing. It's my wife. Ignore it. Ignore
3: it. <laughs> oh, She ain't bothering him right now. No
0: <laughs> Chuck it over
3: She top. knows the okay. drill by now.
0: Yeah, I, just to touch on the game a little bit, Um, something that I noticed that after that first period with all those chances uh, and then they're going down 2-0 into the second and third, I just noticed it seemed like the Blues were whiffing, or not the Blues, the, the Bruins just there was an opportunity to coil a couple times with a puck on a stick They would go to shoot and he'd like just kind of fan on it. Um, Marchant did that once or twice. Pasta uh, lost it a couple times. It seemed like they just couldn't keep it on their stick. And I was like, they'd be right in front of the net and I'd be like, shoot it. And, then, you know, kind of get let down almost. I just kept feeling that let down feeling every time they had the puck in a scoring position. They just couldn't get it on their stick enough to uh, to get a good shot. So um, I don't know what it was. It just seems like it wasn't their night. It wasn't their night. Um, They just seemed like they got some chances where they couldn't just put the puck on their stick in the right position. Um, You know, it's unfortunate for them. They had a great run. I mean, Coyle had a great run. The the perfection line, um, you know, what a great season for them. Obviously they couldn't finish it out, but game six, you know, everybody was talking about the perfection line. You know, so it's a totally different conversation today than it was a couple of days ago after game six. So um, good for the Blues. You know, I think it was what, 1967 when the franchise came into play. They haven't won one. So great for that community. They had the whole stadium filled. I think they had the was it football or the baseball stadium. Oh, People were watching baseball. Not, not
4: football, but baseball and their their home hockey rink was full. And they were, it, wasn't it raining
0: out? <laughs> they yeah. Watching the game in the rain? Boring, boring. I mean,
1: like the Blues, so it was a really good, you know, year for the St. Louis. St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. I mean, for the hockey team, um, they won their first Stanley Cup. Byington set a record for the most wins as a rookie goaltender, with 16 in the history of the NHL. Um, So that's big. Guys,
3: it's got to be said, since we're on Byington right now, That he came from the Providence Bruins. He came from the Boston Bruins system and won a Stanley Cup in their own barn.
0: Yeah, just like your buffalo fucking Sabres giving up O'Reilly.
3: O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So good
0: decisions.
1: Byington was just on a, a loan release, so there's all these contracts that you can do where they just, you know, loaned him to the Providence St. Louis loaned him to the Bruins. The Bruins was paying his salary and then after a year they had to give him back or if they wanted to keep him or whatever. So it was just kind of a loner. But you're right, Rob. Yeah, I mean he if you guys saw it when him and Grizzlick went through the line to shake hands, they stopped and talked for a while because Grizzlick played with him um, at the Providence Bruins. And um, speaking of Grizzlick, he he played last night and they took Coleman out. Coleman play, so Grizzlick got hurt with that hit. On the boards a few games ago i think it was game what five yeah, or four yeah. game two i think it was early in the series oh was it it might have been early yeah was so he was then? out, he got out like coleman up, and coleman is was just ripping it up he had a goal he played he won the national championship at uh minnesota duluth he did really well and when i saw grizzlik you know it's tough you know if i was the gm or the coach and you know. The uh, doctor cleared Grizzly. Grizzly played all regular season, you know, and it would be tough to sit him in game seven of the Stanley Cup and bring up this kid, Coleman, that, you know, played for Providence, even though Coleman played pretty well the last couple games. And they sat him and put Grizzly in. But, you know, Grizzly hit the crossbar. Played pretty didn't he well score? didn't he, he, he score the last goal he scored yeah he scored on the last one yeah so he hit the crossbar and he
0: scored so um i don't know i just thought i'd put that in there they all played pretty well last night it just um you know they had the bad change and then i think the, the third goal mcavoy was coming back and he kind of McAvoy lost was running around up up there. yeah he was all over the ice i mean they they were, both teams were pinching a lot in the last two games, you could tell. Don Cherry brought that up last night in night in Canada, how in game six, the Bruins were pinching the whole time and controlling that game and controlling the uh, the zone, activating their defense and defensemen, and then, you know, his point was in last night's game, the St. Louis Blues were doing the exact same thing the Bruins did in, in game six, so they did a good job of activating the defensemen um, the Blues did last night. But you know we talk about Ryan O'Reilly, um, unreal you know, nasty player. Yeah, I mean he. If it wasn't for him, I think Bennington or Byington, however we're saying it, um, Byington, he wins the uh, Conn Smythe, I think. You know. Well, did
1: you guys see the voting for the Conn Smythe from the uh, NHL Players or Coaches Association? You see that no. on social media? No, I didn't. see that. I think for the Conn Smythe it was uh, Petrangelo. Tuka Rask was the only Boston Bruins player on that voting um, list. And then it was uh, O'Reilly, Byington, who's the other captain, Maroon, and uh, someone else. But uh, O'Reilly was like 68% or close 68 or 78%. He had the majority of the votes. And I mean, he was just on fire. And I said it a few podcasts ago. I don't know if anyone has seen it, but if you go to his Instagram account, Ryan O'Reilly's, he has videos of himself training. His father's his trainer, and his father just trains him unbelievable, like crazy things that you can't even imagine, like on one of those crunch balls, and he has to go from one end of the room to the other on that crunch ball on his knees, and or he's on the ball on his knees and dribbling a tennis ball with a hockey stick. Just crazy core, leg, <laughs> balance ball. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, he, he definitely deserved the uh, con spice, and uh, he had eight, eight points. Eight goals, yeah, 23, yeah
3: eight, 23 points.
0: Yeah. Eight goals, 20, yeah, so. The commissioner eight, said eight. it last night when they gave him the award. I think this, he said that he had the most points in the playoffs and the most points in the, in the Stanley Cup finals. So wow. how, does not, how does he not get it? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I think,
4: uh, I think he tied the French, I think he tied St. Louis's franchise record for most points in the, in, in a, in a playoffs. Oh, a really? So, yeah, I think it
1: is. Yeah. Well, I, every time you watch the blues or, you know, next morning you woke up and it was Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly. So, um, yeah, Rob and I were talking about Ryan O'Reilly If Buffalo still had him. Can you imagine if they had Jeff Skinner now, Ryan O'Reilly, Jack Eichel, Rasmond Dolan, Casey Middlestadt. The Reinhardt kid's pretty good. Reinhart. Who's mean GM
4: there? Probably should be fired.
1: <laughs> I I mean, it's getting to the point where they're the Edmonton Oilers of the East Coast, right? Yeah. I mean.
3: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm pretty fired up. I'm not gonna lecture them right now, even though I would love to lecture them right now.
0: Well go ahead. But, Didn't they send uh, somebody to <laughs> Carolina too? Didn't they send somebody down there, Carolina. They
1: got Skinner from Carolina. I forget who they traded Carolina, but yeah, Skinner came from Carolina. How
4: about how awesome? How awesome was it too for Keith Kachuk? man? A long time. St. Louis Blues been part of the organization forever. You know, works as an amateur scout now with them. I think you know. I think nine years ago yep. he was he was quoted as saying after his career was kind of coming to a close that he knew that the Blues were putting the blocks and pieces together to make a Stanley Cup kind of kind of team he said he knew it would take a lot of years but that's what it takes in the nhl to, to form a championship franchise and i think it's pretty cool for him too you know somebody that put his blood sweat and tears into that organization now working like i say as an amateur scout he's got a couple you know a couple sons doing amazing in the league but for him to to get that putting all his time and heart and soul into that organization to get a cup is yeah. Pretty awesome too. yeah
0: yeah yeah great great for that city and great for the um The hockey in St. Louis, I mean, you talk about Keith Kachuk and his sons and all the other players that we've had on the show that are from St. Louis. I mean, you know, there's so many studs coming out of St. Louis now, minor hockey programs, junior programs, or whatever it is. You know, now the NHL team's at the top of the the barrel, too. So, St. Louis doing big things for hockey. Big
3: time. Big time. I I thought it was kind of cool, you know, besides the fact that Brett Hall flipped people off that um,
1: (laughs) – He's just excited.
3: Just the fact that he was down in the bowl watching the game with the, you know, with us common folks, you know, um, he could have been up in the the top booth, in the luxury, you know, having people bring him shit. Well, I heard I heard he They're was. I probably the, picked him out. Well, well, I heard he was,
1: and then he spotted a hot chick down in that section.
0: So kind <laughs> of, well, no, matter what, the, that the
3: point is the the place to watch a game is is down there anyway.
0: Yeah. they had to get him away from the free booze in the booth. They sent him down. Hey, Brett, we got a couple of tickets down by the ice. It's pretty far from the beer tent. So. yeah, but I saw a picture. I saw a
4: picture of him today that was like zoomed in on him. Like he was like somebody. He must have known that somebody was taking a picture of him, when he like had he was like rubbing his nipples.
3: He was covering his nipples. I think he <laughs> yeah. was covering them.
4: Uh, <laughs> I was like, man, I love. It. I I, go, I like this guy. In my own head, I'm thinking, I love that guy as a hockey player. You know, I Oh I, he's just getting better,
3: right? I was thinking the same thing. You know, his his old man was like, uh, well, his old man was fucking amazing. They they used to call him the Golden Jet, right? So, yep. Bobby Hall was so good when he'd get on the ice, they put two guys out there to shadow him. Now. You know, if you don't know what shadowing uh, somebody is in hockey, turn to somebody that's played hockey and ask him. Um,
0: so Rob can't think of it.
3: Yeah, because um, <laughs> yeah, so shadow, I mean, it should be obvious. Yeah. That's my point. It, it should be obvious.
0: Yeah, you just stand next to him on the ice and He's try not to, to him. let him get the puck. You don't let him score. Wherever he goes, yeah. They don't do oh, that, So Yeah, but how much have you heard about Brett Hull in the last, like, I don't know, 10 years. I mean, I've seen the guy. So it's kind of cool to see him in the limelight
1: again. Well, like Derek was saying, you know, Keith Kachok, and you got Jamie Rivers out there. You got uh, who else is out there? A bunch of uh, um, Brown, Kachok, all those guys are just been out in St. Louis kind of training these kids and just living it up in St. Louis and putting their time in. And they finally won the Stanley Cup, and that's pretty cool for Keeping it quiet, working hard, and now that it finally paid off, so it's awesome for St. Louis, and it's their first Stanley Cup, so it's big for hockey.
0: I wonder where the cups partying tonight. Hmm. We should uh, they probably even? their first real night of partying with it. Last night they were partying with it on the plane. So does the
1: Stanley Cup have its own social media account? Rob, get on that. And check. They must have a Twitter sure feed. It
3: has, right. Well, isn't where is not that tonight? that Pritchard guy? Accompanies
0: that thing wherever it goes, anyways, right? Yeah, that's true.
3: So when yeah. we got a couple of dates coming up here, Marcus.
0: What's that? Yeah, do we do have, have a couple of dates. uh I was just gonna say, did you? We saw a little picture of uh, Tarasenko had a six-month-old baby sitting in the. Uh, it was it six, six oh, months? Yeah. Six days, yeah, because it still had the hospital blanket on. You know, yeah. the oh, same yeah. one that every hospital seems to have in the United States.
3: In the cup, wrapped around with the
0: pink stripe. Yeah, basically, the baby was like completely inside the cup. That's how small it was. So that was pretty cool. I'm sure that was a good experience for him and his family. Um, what a great way to introduce that child to the world. Yeah. So um, that being said, Pat, we do have... Of... What's Go ahead. that?
3: <laughs> He's changing
0: oh, his I just a
3: picture of
1: uh, Ryan O'Reilly on the airplane yet. One guy had the cup, and O'Reilly had the con, Smythe Trophy, and a couple yeah, of beers, so a Ten of tins,
3: yeah, but yeah, that's, that's like, one place I was thinking, man, would I want to be on that? Could
1: you imagine that airplane? O'Reilly had his shirt on but All the way. Down. All the way
0: down. Got <laughs> one friggin' button done.
3: <laughs> Can't a, can a chew on the deck. Yeah. Champagne. Yeah, forget, forget, the
0: turbulence,
4: turbulence, forget turbulence man. That place is just probably rocking. For oh, yeah. Jumping up and down and everything else. That poor pilot. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, pilot was probably fucking
0: boozing. Turn
1: that, turn this fucking <laughs> thing around. Let's go. Ahead. Yeah,
0: I'm, oh. I can't wait to hear the stories about the cup and what's going on, and uh, checking out their their social media sites. Just like last year with the caps, we every once in a while we see where the cup was and how wasted they were. With it. that was pretty fun. Yeah, we do. We do have some dates coming up. the The first, uh, the first of the big dates is the NHL awards is going to be on the nineteenth of. Um, just in a few days here. So uh, we probably should have made some predictions on those boys. I don't know if we want to do that tonight or not. We got to, we did it last year. We made some predictions of who we thought we were going to win some awards, but we didn't really talk about that. So maybe by the end of the show, we can do that. The next thing, next big thing coming up is the draft on the 21st and the 22nd. So, I mean, there's people say that, uh, you know, one, two is kind of locked up with Hughes and predicted number one and Capo going number two that would be that would be the uh, devils at one and rangers at two so two huge prospects coming up young kids um like we talk about a lot these young kids actually looking to go play in the nhl pretty quickly so um that could be game changers for those two teams
1: i'm going to go through the uh real quick no uh bantering or anything you guys just tell me who you think okay King King Clancy Trophy, Zucker, Lundqvist, or Ekman, Larson?
0: You said uh, Larson, Lundqvist, Zucker, Lundqvist, Larson. Tell everybody Um, what
3: King Clancy is while I'm thinking about these three. I
0: think I'm going to go with uh, Zucker on that one. Lundqvist, Rob, you have Lundqvist?
3: I mean, I've only heard the first two. I'm going to say Lundqvist, yeah.
1: Hart Trophy, Crosby, McDavid, or Kucherov? Mm.
0: Oh, man. MVP. Of the I league. think. I'll go first again. I'll go with Kucherov. I don't know how you don't. I, I knew he
3: didn't get in a Stanley Cup uh, <laughs>
0: ring this year. So, he's Coach. Uh,
1: MVP, I'd probably take McDavid. He's by far, uh, I think. Norris Trophy, best defenseman. Giordano, Brett Burns, or headman. very Hedman. I'm going to
3: go Bernsie, I like Bernsey.
1: I like Giordano, Calgary.
3: That,
1: Sulky Trophy, Stone, Bergeron, O'Reilly, best defenseman, offense, best offensive defenseman. Mark Stone,
0: Bergeron, O'Reilly. Oh, uh, man. I think I'm going to go with Mark Stone. On good.
3: That. Yeah, I don't know. Stuff. Stone's pretty good. As far as Bergeron's 20, won that so far.
1: 15 times in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll sure that will go on then,
3: huh? <laughs> Give him another I'm one. I'm gonna go O'Reilly. Um, yeah. I mean, doesn't O'Reilly have to suck all the awards that would be? Uh, he's in 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 the running for. He's he's it right now.
1: Now uh, what
0: else have we got here? Calder yeah, Trophy. Yeah, yeah, Rookie of the Year. Uh, I I think just because of the, the Stanley Cup win, um, Bennington's gonna win that one.
1: Yeah, it's Peterson or Rossman Dowling. I was gonna go with
0: Bennington for sure. Bennington. Yeah, Petr- yeah. Pedersen. got hurt, but he did have a phenomenal. Pedersen is sick. Is yeah. The they voting, is the voting
4: done, Patrick? Or nice. don't we going know? I don't know. That would make a
1: big difference. That's like the award. Kane, McDavid, Kucherov. That's like the. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Lady Bing, Barkov. O'Re- Ryan O'Reilly is up for everything. That's right. I, I mean, John Monahan's up. O'Reilly, Barkov, Masterson Trophy, Thornton.
3: O'Reilly, all o- o- O'Reilly has to say is, "Yeah, uh, I won the Stanley Cup and got the Conn What else?
1: Oh, here's a good one: Jack Adams Award, so the best coach. St. Hey, Louis coach Greg Berube. Barry Trotz or John Cooper down in uh Tampa. What do you guys think about that
3: one? Ooh, I like Trotzy. Brube. Um but you know, Craig Brube did uh win a Stanley Cup, so got a good I with mean Brube, man, he took
4: his team from worst to first, baby.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Came in halfway through the season.
4: Yeah.
1: Uh the manager of the year, here's another good one. Sweeney. Cooper,
4: real quick though, Cooper, look, I mean what the fuck did he do? He got to see the president's cup and then fucking <laughs> Suck the nut. <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
1: Uh, what was I just... Right, I would oh, like to
0: see... As a coach of the Year, I would really like to see uh, Carolina on that one, but um, I guess... it's it more, yeah. Honorable mention. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: GM, oh,
0: yeah.
1: GM of the Year. GM of the Year. Armstrong of the Blues. Sweeney. Or uh, the Hurricanes, Don Waddell.
3: Um, I'm going with Donnie Waddell. I'd yeah. say.
1: <laughs> you don't think the Bruins?
0: No. Fire him. That's oh, good. Mean, <laughs> GM, GM of the year, just making making like, you know, like, what? how did you transfer form your team? I don't know. I mean, they did pick up Ryan O'Reilly. That was a big, big deal for the Blues. Um, I think Carolina probably had the biggest change overall as far as becoming a uh, a better team this year. Um, they were right there yeah. to be be in the Stanley Cup. So I'm going to go with Don too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with Don. Just I mean, his AHL team won the
3: his AHL Calder- the Calder Cup. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: He put uh, the head coach in at
0: Carolina, and their team went pretty deep. So, yeah, the goalie situation there. Like he got it figured out, even though they didn't have a big prospect. Um, you know. Done, did some good things, you know. Got grabbed some players from the wild. Uh, worked out for them at the end. A couple good trades.
4: Cool. We missed one
0: Mark Messier Award. That's the leadership award in the NHL. Jared uh, donnell Calgary. Simmons, um, Wayne Simmons, and with the Predators now, and Justin Williams. Um, Justin I mean, Williams. Yeah, I mean, he he exactly. was. A stud in these playoffs i mean we didn't talk about him too much after they lost but why would you but you know he was a stud out there and he definitely led his team i don't know if it's a leadership award of leading your team or i'm not sure what goes into that award but if it's about leading your team i think he's he's the man yeah i think we have them
1: all yeah pretty much most of them i was just kind of skimming over them but uh, i always like watching the nhl awards, so that'll be fun to to watch at, see all the guys dressed up with their their crazy outfits and no their geez. uh no teeth and their brett burns his beard and it's fun <laughs> yeah i'm excited coming up
0: i was watching the um the canadian station last night after the game and um they interviewed ryan o'reilly and he <laughs> dropped an f-bomb right in the middle of this fucking conversation they were asking like they asked him a question. I don't really remember what it was. He was like, "Yeah, it was just fucking awesome" or something like that. And he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It was live, right?" And uh, he apologized like five times at the end of the interview. So sorry for swearing. I'm just so amped up right now. I don't even know what I'm saying.
4: I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often. Honestly, you know what I mean? Like, yeah,
3: the real moments. We'll, we'll let you. Yeah.
4: It's, it's
0: okay. hard for me not to swear every other word out of my mouth, but, you know, like, so, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And then they, at the, after, after that, they were, you know, this, I was just still watching the Canadian station. And I don't know if the uh, NBC was the same, but they had each player getting the cup. So they'd hand them the cup and they'd be like, woohoo, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I
2: don't know. They didn't, they were, right.
0: they were, what do you expect? They weren't bleeping it out, but I was like, "Man, this is this is crazy." I haven't heard this many f bombs on national TV.
1: NBC actually went on a commercial break and then came back and said, uh, "Sorry about the uh, swearing. If any families back home heard it, um, these guys (laughs) are really excited." But we turned the uh, uh, microphone off, so then they were were still handing it around, and you could read their lips. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Canadians didn't care, man. They let it ride. And they yeah, had every funny. F-bomb on that. Um, every F-bomb was, was heard on national TV on the Canadian station last night. Oh, I thought that was kind of, kind of hilarious. But they were all fired up. Um, you know, those guys were each getting handed the cup. Um, Even when I went down to, like, the
1: trainers and the uh, um, equipment managers when they would raise it on their – you know, they were on carpet with – the cup with sneakers on, and they're raising it, and they're going,
4: fucking run! Right! <laughs> <laughs> How do you, can you imagine, man? I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, I was just, you know, watching some of those guys celebrating on the ice, and I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, every kid in the world that plays hockey, you know, whether you're playing with the little sticks in the, you know, in your middle room, you know, or playing some street hockey, or whatever level you're at, man, every single thing you're doing, you're like, you know, you're talking to yourself, like, as you're shooting the puck, you're like, ah, seven, game seven of the Stanley Cup, <laughs> five seconds left, he shoots, he scores, you know, like, and then that, like, transpires into you're actually holding the fucking cup in your hands. I mean, I can't even imagine the joy and the uh, absolute, like, overwhelming feeling it would feel like to actually be at that point. You know, and th- those guys, I mean, it's a long-ass season, man. They're, you know, those, every single guy is – yeah, i mean they they beat the hell up you know they're uh, walking yeah. on you know sore ankles sore knees broken ribs missing the tooth broken jaw you know look at chara like yeah, your pinky broken jaw i mean these guys are insane i mean you got you got basketball players out of games like with a you know like a torn you know fingernail yeah. like you know what i mean like it's just it's, it's ridiculous and I mean these guys are like walking around like with legs that should be amputated and stuff like and they're still playing like I, I can't imagine they're blocking shots that are going you know 100 miles an hour to the neck and I, I don't know it's, just, it's,
3: it's with their face
4: it's crazy and so I can't even imagine the joy of these guys it's, it's the best it's the best game on earth it's the best trophy on earth and uh, it, it's just awesome to see those guys like so ecstatic, enjoying life and um their families enjoying it
0: and it, it's pretty cool yeah, yeah what a, and, a privilege to be the captain of that team and you get to go up there and with a commissioner and hold that trophy first and you know I mean, that's when you're saying damn i'm pretty glad i'm the captain tonight and you go up there and grab that trophy first and get to hoist it up from, from front of all your fans and that's a pretty good feeling for that guy
1: yeah, it was. it's just unreal to see the trophy. Rob and I were actually, you know, we're down in North Carolina and we went out to dinner last night. And, you know, there's a few people with hockey jerseys on around down here, but, uh, you know, it's it's not the same as the Super Bowl night, right? So when the Super Bowl is happening, the whole United, well, the whole world is, it's like a party. But for us, small market hockey players, hockey fans... It was big for us and not too many people. You know, the waitress came up and I'm like, are you excited to see the Stanley Cup tonight? And she's like, what? I'm like, like, <laughs> Rob, Rob Rob, was like, it's like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is happening tonight, but for, but for hockey. And she's like, oh, I don't watch hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so just well, walked away. Yeah, man, it, was awesome. it was awesome to see the Stanley Cup. I get chills every time I see it. Has anyone seen the Stanley Cup?
3: Never. Not in person. No. Nope, me, me either, but Pat's got a pretty amazing story. I, I love this story, <laughs> this story. Yeah,
1: so I think I've said it before, but I was lived in Portland, Maine, and the, that's when the Ducks won the Stanley Cup in 2005, 2004, 2005, and their AHL affiliate was the Portland Pirates, and um, so they brought – you know, after a few weeks, I want to say it was like July, the end we of July. It's
3: with Danny Breer, I think.
1: Yeah, I didn't talk about the Stanley Cup, but it touched on Portland. After but they, like So they brought the cup to the AHL affiliate because all those guys get to, you know, general managers and stuff get to hang out with it. So long story short, they advertised that the Stanley Cup was going to be at the uh, Portland um, Museum. So I was like, oh shit, this is awesome. You know, my wife, and I were excited to go see it. I was like, all right, we're going to have to go down there, you know, an hour early, get parking. There's going to be a line. We'll bring some snacks for the line. So we put <laughs> down there.
0: Hey, no,
1: no one was there. Parked right out front, walked right in. And it's just that Paul Pritchard standing there, you know, the guy that carries the cup everywhere and is. Is uh you know tuxedo with his white gloves on, the NHL patch on his his shirt, and he's just standing there twiddling his thumbs, and I was like, what in the hell is going on here? So Chantelle and I got to go right up to the cup and you know looking at all the names, touching it. The Paul Pritchard was talking to like the manager of the museum, and you know wasn't even paying attention to us, and I just got to you know touch it and look at it. And some lady walked by, and she's like, what is that? And I was like, it's the Stanley Cup. She's like, what's that? And I'm like, it's like, you know, the NHL award of winning the National, you know, the Stanley Cup, the. Trophy. The league, the you know, the league trophy. She's like, oh, I'm right by. But, you know, being in Portland, Maine, I thought it would be, you know, New England State, I thought it would be packed. But uh, for some reason it wasn't. So, anyways, yeah. that I got to see it and I got a couple pictures taken with it. Actually,
0: Paul Pritchard took her picture and uh, it was cool. Yeah, Jimmy Howard brought it up here to Augensburg. Uh, my family was over for oh, that. I yeah. didn't make it to it, but it's been to the North Country before for all the North Country listeners, and hopefully, it'll be back up here again someday with the Greenway Boy. And uh, oh, I, was, I was at the restaurant last night and um, somebody came into the restaurant, and it was, it was a girl. And she's like, can we make sure that the the hockey game is on one of the TVs? Mind you, there's 10 TVs. I said, ma'am, don't worry. It'll be on all 10 TVs. (laughs) (laughs) We're not putting putting reruns on or uh, maybe a (laughs) highlight of the World Cup. It's going to be all all about the Stanley Cup tonight. So don't worry about it. Sit wherever you want. But um, if we want to touch on the the World Cup, there was a little bit of a controversy there. women's women's team they won what 13 to nothing or something like that in their first game and um, and a lot of people were talking about well that's not very good sportsmanship why are they running up the score so much i mean come on you really need to celebrate after every goal and score 13 goals on this poor team and then yet the other side of the coin was you know the coach was saying you know this is a goal differential tournament so if it comes to to goal, goal differential um, you know, this game could be huge um, towards the end of the tournament. So, a lot of backlash for some people saying that it was wasn't sportsmanlike and stuff like that. Well, you know,
1: to me. I mean, if it's goal differential, if it comes down to goals, then you want as many goals as you can. So, people that don't know about that or have been in a tournament, they're just they're just stupid. So, they shouldn't even talk about it. <laughs> it's goal different.
0: Duh. <laughs> Duh. Yeah.
3: It comes down to goals. The point is to put them in the back of the net.
0: Yeah, so I saw an interview with one of the the, the, the girl players today, Um, the one with the purple hair there. I don't know her name. But, you know, she said, well, you know, FIFA needs to do a better job with these other countries. Some of them have only had four games in the last year. So, you know, they're competing at a high level in the United States playing, you know, I don't know how many games, but a lot of them. Um, to compete and get ready for the World Cup where you have some of these other countries that just aren't putting in the same kind of effort So then they go to the World Cup and they wonder why they get beat So they were kind of yeah. blaming it on FIFA for not helping out some of these other countries having better programs. So Fuck em. Fuck em. <laughs> But That's soccer. I guess that's the next biggest thing for us right now. It's uh, what we can talk about until the golf starts? Well, we can
1: talk about golf. Golf, U.S. Opens going on right now. Um, yeah,
0: anybody see any of that today, or catch any of the uh, the scores at the end of the day? I did catch some of
1: it. I was watching Tiger going along. Uh, it looked the course looked beautiful. Everyone was, you know, spraying them. Um, I don't know who's on the leaderboard. I was it. I'll take Ror- it.
3: I'll take it I'm it pulling them up right now.
1: I know Spieth was up there. Um, Tiger had a couple tough shots, but the course looked really tough. Um, yeah, you go. If you got out of the fairway, um,
4: wow, the grass was pretty thick. That's U.S. Open, man. It's like, it, like if you
1: are
4: not, not in the fairway, the grass is like three inches deep. I don't know what the exact measurement is, but it's like it's just oh, yeah. stupid. like you know, if like you and I or anybody on this podcast was playing in golf league and we hit our ball the length of grass that you know that's it's easy. Hey. It's fucking hate. I mean, these guys, you know, you'd want a bottle of hairspray. Like, we'd be, we'd be looking for a bottle of hairspray or a tea. Like to be like, come on, we can just fluff it up a little it, bit. They were actually
1: the uh, the marshals or whatever you want to call them out there were putting a red flag where their ball would land so they would find them when they walked yeah. up. But, yeah, I mean, it, we would have to – Derek, you're right. We'd have to, you know, if we're 100 yards out to the green – but we were in the rough, I mean, you you literally would have to use, like, a four or five to
0: fucking get out.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, they really true. have to power through those shots. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, these this guys are working out now. This golf is a different game than it used to be, and they work out so when they play in these high rough uh, majors that they can get through it, you know, and they have to pound the, it out the US
4: of Open, it. The U.S. Open specifically is known for, like, you know, if you're off the fairway the rough is brutal, you know, Like
0: that's what yeah. It's supposed to be a, a tournament where you're finishing just under or around even, you know. Like right now, Tiger Woods, he's uh, one under. Um, uh, the big big news was Kepka. Obviously, he's two under. He's won the last two, I believe, uh, U.S. Opens. Rose actually finished uh, six under against I, the Leafs. Six under, yeah. Ricky he's Fowler, cool. that
1: too, was up there for a while.
0: Yeah, Ricky Flowers, or Fowler's five under, uh, um five under. So there's one, two, three, four, five. Four of four, them five under, one at six under, a couple at four, and then three, two, one. Those are kind of the guys that are in the mix right now. So Tiger is in the mix at one under, even though he's uh, five shots behind. But a lot can change in that tournament. Now, I did have a chance to go to the U.S. Open when I was at Oakmont in Pennsylvania a, year, a few years back. And... Like you said, man, that, they just make it so hard. It's got to be frustrating for these guys. I mean, yeah, they just the greens are so fast, the rough is so thick, and they make it long as shit. You know, so it's like, uh, you know, your second approach shot's always a tough one as well for these long hitters. So it's a, it's you know, one of the probably the hardest tournament that they play um, for the for the season. First I'm, being I'm twelve point five, yeah.
3: I don't like the seeing like, you know minus minus thirteens.
0: Yeah. yeah. Last, weekend,
4: last weekend, remember last weekend? Remember last weekend? It was like the RBC Open up in Canada, and I think uh, yeah. back where I went, it was like I think it was like twenty three under par. I was like, "Fucking make the course!" harder, no these guys are up. pros. Turn it <laughs>
0: up. Hey, play. Well,
1: the thing with that was you know up there in Canada, that's if you guys see the history, that's what the scores usually are, just because the greens are so soft and the fairways are so soft from the rain up there that you can, you know, you can put that ball so close to the hole and it just sticks and and the same with the fairways. So you can drive your ball on, you know, like a, you know, a par four, 400 yard hole. You can use your driver and you don't have to worry about rolling over the the green because it once it hits it just sticks, so yeah they're pretty precise on those greens up there in the northeast just because it, it rains so much and it's it's soft
0: that's what they were saying on yeah. uh the golf channel I'm with you too Derek though like who the hell wants to watch a, a match when it's 23 under like what the fuck you know I mean then you look at yeah. a guy that's even you're like, what happened to him <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: would have taken if pat would have talked in like a softer voice when he was just saying all that it would sound like he was talking about like a porno or something
0: <laughs> yeah I, i'm excited to watch that um you know that's one of the one of the majors i always want to watch the masters the open um you yeah, know, so that's going to be cool i hope tiger gets back up into the uh top five here um tomorrow or saturday to make sunday with a red shirt a little yeah, bit more that'd be fun. you know that's kind he's of at minus,
4: he's at minus one right tiger right now yeah yeah yeah, so he's in the mix, and he sprayed the ball all over the place. They were saying he was scrambling like crazy today, so that's uh, that's was. good news for him. I mean, so if he, if he's uh, at minus one on day one, that's pretty good. Because usually, you know, these tournaments, these major championships, like, you know, somebody sprints out to the lead, and then all of a sudden, you know, like on Saturday or, you know, even on Sunday, like you have guys like five strokes up, and then all of a sudden, you know, a guy was like, you know, four strokes, five strokes back is all of a sudden in contention towards the end, so...
0: Yeah. yeah, watch, a golf. Golf. watch yeah, Kepka, I'll watch Kepka, he's 200 today, he's steady Eddie, man, he's always, he doesn't seem to fuck he had up. he a Hawaiian hat on, I liked it. <laughs> Aloha. Well, Aloha. Uncle Artie-esque. Ardy, Uncle you send him that one, Pat, was that like part of the sponsorship program you did? It's
4: yeah.
1: Nike Hawaiian hat, I'm going to get it though, for sure.
0: Well, boys, um, let's just touch quickly on Rocket Grips. Uh, We mentioned them earlier in the show, check out rocketgrips.com, cool product that's now available for your hockey sticks. Um, If you haven't seen them, uh, great for your team, get an order, get all your logos on them, or you can get your names on them. Uh, If you want to get your last name on your grip, you can do that too. And a lot of uh, equipment managers kind of like that so they know who sticks who. Uh, So check those guys out at rocketgrips.com. And boys, that seems to be the end of the NHL season for us, so uh, we'll be talking about the NHL awards, the uh, draft, uh, you know, trades, all that kind of good stuff in the coming weeks and months, and we'll be keeping you up to date on what's going on in the hockey world, uh, so stay tuned, check us out on Twitter, bluelinehockeyclub.com, and don't forget to rate us uh, on, on our podcast, you know, give us a five-star rating and a nice review, help us get bumped up there on iTunes.
1: I just want to thank uh, Coach Brecky. Give me Brecky jerky. No.
3: <laughs>
1: I just want to thank the head coach for coming on. That was cool to be able to talk to him, and I hope St. Lawrence does well. They need a good coach to, uh, you know, get settled in, put some roots in Canton, and get that program turned around, especially with Appleton. But uh, um, that was awesome that we got to talk to him
0: tonight, today. Dave jr yes definitely good conversation i know a lot of the north country folks who want to uh check that out so we'll be pushing that out all over the north country um just for some of our um close listeners or fans of uh our friends of the program here i uh, just want to give a shout out to pat's father-in-law who passed away um like a week ago uh, doug was a good friend of everybody on the show and That's he good. will be missed and uh what a great guy. Never met a better guy. Um, sad to see him go so early. So yeah. we're thinking about you, Doug. Thank you. All right. All right, boys. Great show. And until next time, keep your stick on the ice. See ya. Oh, doctor. Meow. Meow. Shut up. We know.